0: Hey, everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there, Steve. Yeah, 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 Coming to you sort of live from the death of America. <laughs> oh, the, you know, the slow seeping into a coma of America. Yeah, well, one of those two, one of those two.
1: As capitalism plays out on, on the streets, we proudly give you entertainment. That's right. For free. We're going to talk about a little something something from before the world ended.
0: (laughs) Tank girl. (laughs) The Mad Max series. Um, Nope. This week we are talking about Altered Carbon, a book by Richard Morgan. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. Back when we thought there was going to be a dystopian future instead of just apocalypse, straight up apocalypse,
0: a high a high tech dystopian future. Yes. Um, this novel or series of novels was uh, adapted into the Netflix series. Two seasons of it. We'll be covering well, first one. Well, the first one. We'll be covering some one. of that next week. Yeah. This week we're talking. We're talking about the book. Now, go ahead and just give us a general plot synopsis, there, Steve. Okay. Well, uh,
1: plot wise, if you took um, Neuromancer, toss in a little Mickey Spillane, and then stirred it up with Eclipse Phase, you would get
0: this book. Except Eclipse Phase was
1: based on this book. Yes, but I'm just like trying to give people perspective yeah. if they haven't read this. Oh, uh, so, this is basically a noir detective story set in the far future where people are able to, uh, where people's personality and memory is stored on a uh, data stack that they implant into your spine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, that's kind of the, 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 the situation and we have a uh, apparent suicide of what they call a meth, a rich motherfucker who lives forever because he just gets his his uh, personality implanted into clones forever and ever and ever
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh commits suicide and can't believe that he committed suicide so he hires um the protagonist who is a super soldier more or less mm-hmm. to to solve the mystery of his death right right um then it becomes the Maltese fault,
0: <laughs> right? It, it does. It has. It has very much kind of that Dashiell Hammett, uh, that classic detective fiction where the guy is a veteran of the war, and the only thing he knows how to do is is operate in this rough and tumble kind of world. You know, he's he's Takeshi Kovacs is. One of the only protagonists where they actually go through and tell you how to pronounce his name in story. <laughs> That's It's true. Uh, he is, he's like you said, he's a super soldier. Uh, because this technology has been around for quite some time uh, where you can just sleeve into different bodies, this breed of soldier is more trained mentally. Uh, right. It's very much kind of a... a not only an homage, but also kind of a fan service of the East Asian martial arts type of thing where where a warrior is more of their mind than of their body.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. <coughs> Pardon me, um, because they have throughout this whole book. We have this dichotomy of uh, nature versus nurture, genotype versus phenotype and. Um, your body versus your mind um which you know it kind of informs the whole the whole book mm-hmm. um in terms especially with with the relationships between Takeshi keshi and uh the people around him right specifically um the the uh detective who he gets involved with because uh it's not a huge spoiler but it is integral to like this theme he is originally re-sleeved which is what they call um having your body put into your mind put into another body in her ex in her boyfriend's body
0: right her partner slash boyfriend's body
1: and um one of the big things is they obviously they have like this uh it starts off as a, um, an undercurrent i guess of sexuality sexual tension and blossoms into a full-on relationship which then wanes once kobach is uh received into a different body mm-hmm. um so it, it it kind of explores not directly um not what it is to be human but what it is what makes us feel the way we feel? Is it hormones? Is it your, your mental state? Um, and the bodies are a dime a dozen and can be manufactured to produce whatever you want them to.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You can get you, if you have enough money, what your body is, is not an object at all. Right.
1: And, uh, Morgan is actually kind of saying that like these relationships, and these feelings that you have are bound to the bodies you're in as opposed to the minds that possess these bodies which is kind of a weird take on it
0: yeah it's kind of it actually kind of runs counter to what a lot of people tell you you know where you have um you know similar ideas in movies like ghost yeah something like that where he's all mind
1: or for crying out loud like like uh the japanese concept of of eternal love where you know you are bound together for nine generations right right <laughs> you know you know people people are are constantly being uh reborn um to fall in love with the same person over and over
0: again yeah, red it's, threads uh, of fate
1: yeah it's 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 huge in, in genji that's like one of the big things um, that he keeps on talking about with all these women, he he conquers. Mm.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> our, our our souls are intertwined. Wow, man! Number five.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're I, like yeah. a beanstalk. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> now, but anyway, I, I digress. But it, it, you're right; it does run counter to uh, what you normally think of in these terms. It's like
0: anti-romantic. Mm. Yes. Yes, and, and Takeshi Kovacs Kovach is a very anti-romantic hero. Yeah, he is. He, he's an anti-hero and he's an anti-romantic.
1: It's kind of funny, though, because he, like, I think deep down, he has not like a love romance, but he has a very uh, romantic sense of uh, of chivalry mm-hmm. and doing the right thing. Um, so, like, in the classical sense of romance.
0: Right. Right where he's, uh-huh. he's he's very chivalrous, um, and and that seems to be kind of part of the envoy training. Envoy being the special corps of mentally disciplined soldiers, right. um, seems to follow along that same type of um, romanticism where it's chivalry. They the the envoys are supposed to have some kind of code, right. but but they're also romanticized on. The various worlds because you don't see them because they're out far flung out in the reaches of the universe and they've developed this reputation almost the way we look at like a samurai today.
1: Yeah well they're legendary Um, chances are you don't see them and when you do
0: you're fucked (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) because they're the guys that come in when you know a, a planet is about to rebel that's who they send in they send in the fucking envoys
0: right right they're like a they're they're and, like special and, forces slash counterinsurgency but the, but the cool thing is it's not
1: like the marines where they ship them over right or or the seals or whatever where they ship them over to do the job they ship the mines over to ready-made bodies so combat ready bodies get these envoy mines needle cast is what they call it. Uh, Wi-Fi into them basically, mm-hmm. and they're good to go. So not only are these guys like the the super elite soldiers, but they're
0: used to uh, body swapping. Just yeah,
1: for for the needs of whatever whatever mission they're going on.
0: Right. It's like most people have like take a basically a sanity roll every time they get misre because you're effectively the first time you look in a mirror. You've got your mind in there, but you're looking at a stranger's face. Right. And so there's like this disconnect. Uh, envoys are trained not to have that disconnect.
1: Well, they're, they're conditioned to have a less of it.
0: Or, or lesser reaction because Kovach does have a little bit of that disconnect as he's looking into the face of this ex-cop uh, whose name is Riker.
1: Right, well, part of that is um, not the re-sleeving. It's the fact that he was, what they say, on ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a yeah,
0: 100 years or so. For a 100
1: years or something, yeah. So, he, basically, his consciousness was stored um, on a server somewhere with no input. Right. Just building up time because he committed crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and his he was actually rented, more or less, by the guy who hired him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool. I mean, it's fucked up, but it's a really cool concept.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of high concept stuff in this book. Um, so, you know, you have your classic noir detective story with a real, a lot of really high concept stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I, think, I mean, and it is, you know, I think that the, the, um, the way it's structured as a noir story mm-hmm. stands out, stands with, with, you know, the grace of the genre. You know, it, it it it's an homage, yes, but it's also a good read. It's not like um you're reading something that's derivative. Mm-hmm. There's just enough uh of uh new stuff added to it. Right. That keeps that keeps the idea fresh, even though, you know, like when was the last really good de- noir detective story written?
0: Yeah. Uh, Southern Gods yeah, I haven't read that By uh, John Horner uh, John Honor Jacobs There you go, there, there's an answer in my question I, I liked it, I, I thought it worked <laughs> But it was it was more of a Southern Gothic Type of noir story But But uh, <clears throat> Yeah, you get a lot of high concept stuff And one of the clever things that, that he does In writing this This book is he makes Takeshi Kovach an outsider in regards to the world building. So everything yeah. that's new to the reader is also new to Takeshi Kovach. Right. right. And there's a lot except, of times where ex- he says... Except
1: for the, the high concept stuff. That's right. Because that's, I mean, that's like the bread and butter. So um, it's, it's nice to see them, him balance um the matter of factness of resleeving and all that shit hmm. with the discovering how whorehouses work on earth.
0: Right. Right. But I think one of the most often said lines is I'm not from around here. <laughs> that and
1: that and I gotta quit smoking.
0: Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> it is very much it very much gets a little uh, preachy with the anti smoking message. <laughs> Because because Takeshi and that's a weird thing in itself is that, you know Takeshi Kovach used to be a smoker. He's kicked the psychological need and he's thrust into this body that has like a pack a day physical habit.
1: Yeah. Well I think that's just a nice I don't think he was trying to preach. I think he was he was just trying to show, you know, the difference between you know your body and your mind, and what mm-hmm. is mental and what is physical. And addiction is great because it has both components to it. Right, right. So I think it's just an easy way of like just pounding that theme home.
0: Yeah, but it, it has all of the, the 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 qualities of a of a great noir because there is always that one scene uh, where the detective gets knocked unconscious and he has the most bizarre dream ever. The know, yeah, bordering on psychedelia, and for Kovach, uh that happens a couple times because he goes on a bender at one point. <laughs> yeah, he does. And he's like taking, he's taking everything. It's like it turns yeah. into fear and loathing in New Angeles or whatever the the Bay Area. In the city, but they were
1: technically they were supposed to be in Europe
0: right. at the time. So, okay, so it's like you know, Mike Hammer's it, European holiday, or something. <laughs> hey, welcome to Amsterdam. All right, welcome to Amsterdam. Put this up your nose. Although, uh, was it? Yeah, I guess he he was. Yeah,
1: he did mention that his sinuses were so dry that the powder was like just falling out, out of Amsterdam. his nose. <laughs> You would think they'd have a high tech delivery system for that shit.
0: Yeah, you would think so. But you know Space I guess chasing the dragon. Yeah, I I guess, you know, you can't can't beat the classics. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean the the another interesting thing is like it has like the multiple plot threads that weave through. Takeshi Kovach is trying to solve this case, but he gets pulled into like two or three more that are somewhat mm. related. Yeah. And, and he does a really good job of weaving all these threads together uh, throughout the novel. And it's a pretty long novel. It's like, what, 400 pages? Yeah, it's it's pretty long.
1: Well, and that's the other thing is, I mean, that's part and parcel for the genre. Mm-hmm. You know, even like the short stories where like like when we read the The Big Sleep, what a convoluted story, but it all tied up in the end. Right. You know, and it's kind of the same thing where, you know, it gets really convoluted and you're just like, who the hell, what the fuck is that, is he doing that for? Right. And and it, it ends up being part of, you know, the, the plot. I guess that's like the, I won't say a complaint about detective fiction, but it is, um it is one of the tropes that's a little less believable than others that everything is, is related to the main
0: plot. Right, right. That all of this stuff is... You know, random character you meet in Chapter 2 ends up actually playing an important role in Chapter 32. Right. You know, and, and they're like a major link in the chain.
1: But Takashi,
0: it's Chinatown. Right. And, and he gets that a lot. He gets that a lot because the suicide of his... Of his uh, benefactor is ruled just that by the by the Bay City police. They're like it's a suicide, right. leave it alone. And he kind of it's it's one of those types of stories where the detective is just trying to do his job, do the job he's hired to do. But every time he turns around, he gets stonewalled. He's like it was a suicide. It right. was a suicide, and he, and he doesn't actually he actually believes it was a suicide. But he's doing due diligence because that's what he was hired to do. And he's getting paid 10,000 credits and gets a body of his choice when he's done. Yeah,
1: he's getting he's he kind of the deal that he makes is very
0: one sided. He
1: basically has absolutely no choice Mm -hmm. Uh, because he had because he was a prisoner resleeved temporarily to do this job. He pretty much has no choice but to do it
0: right. Because it's either go back or we just permanently permadeath, right? You know, or do the job, go back to prison, or just get killed forever, right? So it's like, okay, I guess I'll take uh, do the job, right?
1: And and to be to be fair, I mean, it's not like Bancroft, who's who's the guy who hired him, uh, was being stingy with his payment. It was a generous payment.
0: Oh yeah, and he also had like. Carte blanche open credit for daily yes. expenses. And shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like whatever, what you're, you have like a platinum credit card with unlimited balance, spend whatever you think you need.
1: Right. right. Because the rich in this, in this story are really
0: fucking rich. Right. I mean, incomprehensibly rich. Like
1: they live forever and they're uber wealthy. Mm hmm right like like uh uh what's his name uh, Bezos
0: Bezos oh, yeah. Bloomberg he'd be, they'd be butlers to these people, right. <laughs> these guys are so wealthy, it's just like you, you can't it, it's hard to comprehend well, how and, wealthy and, I mean these guys like can buy governments.
1: And that's the thing. He, I think he does a really good job of just showing you just how fucking filthy rich they are by their attitudes. When he... I don't want to give too much away, but there's a discussion that he has with with uh, an, an old friend of his who happens to be um, rich as shit as well, where she basically tells him that um, it's just... They're, they're different... It's a different species mm-hmm. they're so wealthy that they're no longer human they're guys.
0: Right. they're so wealthy and so old that yeah that they are just above the rest of humanity well and, the
1: perspective has changed and right. the people don't have access to the resources that they have access to are basically just resources
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> right i mean this guy this guy can get laws passed with just by making a phone call right You know, that's how much, how much resources, how long he's been around, how much prestige he has in, in the world on earth. And you don't really have, apparently don't really have those elsewhere because, you know, nobody's really allowed to get that filthy rich. Right. But on earth, the most ancient of civilized worlds. (laughs) Yeah. Um... You know, it it almost is it is it, a it's a science fiction detective story that borders on like fantasy. You know, it's yeah, like it's yeah, like I the mean, mess that... the mess are like the ancient wizards or whatever, and, <laughs> or elves, and you know you have Takeshi Kovacs who's like a a, a fighter rogue, <laughs> multi yeah
1: well, well yeah I guess you're right it, it does the the tech is so um beyond the pale especially you know as this was the beginning of this transhumanity thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that that it, it is magic and it does um give you uh, relationships of populations that are similar to to uh, magical tropes yeah i um, did it <laughs> more, more or less i mean that's a the plot of the story is, you know, a wizard did it. Right. A method.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and and you have other things like like the the Riker's body has a wired nervous system that's that's hormonal and also apparently somewhat digital as yeah. well and he is able to like mentally manipulate things so he has heightened senses. Heightened reflexes, right? Um, and his is really
1: low key, like
0: off the rack, right? <laughs> right. I mean, there's stuff that's like he comes across later that's so fucking advanced that he's just like, I just a touch of it, and he's like, oh my god, I've never felt anything. I feel everything. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: and and it's it's funny that you mentioned the fantasy part. Uh, because there is a intersection, I guess, of mythology and science that happens with one of the uh, antagonists mm. who um, basically has resleeved themselves so many times that their sense of self is uh, s- is shattered. Mm. So they, they don't have this, um, you know when you think of yourself, you know, when I, when I think of myself mentally, I pretty much picture myself probably weighing less than I do, but, but you know what I'm saying? Mm. And this, this person is just like beyond all that. And Kobach ends up calling him a, um, a shaman right. at one point, <laughs> uh, because he's moved beyond. And then, um, equates him originally it was a, it was a he, that's why I'm saying him. Uh, uh, equates him to this uh, myth from his planet uh, of the patchwork man, which was this uh, un, it, it was basically an undead uh, spirit that that killed children and sewed their parts onto itself to keep itself alive.
0: Yeah, it was kind of like a cross <laughs> between like every evil witch. Fairy tale. Yeah, he said it was like and, a, a, a and, Tengu, right? And, and Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, and uh, and from once the, he he explains the, the, the fairy tale, the story, um, this guy becomes the patchwork man. He's that's what he's referred to as. Mm-hmm. Um, so so very much you have uh, fantasy mixing in with with you know the reality around them. Even to, I guess, to the people who are used to the technology, uh, still are in awe of it, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And, it, and it really, is-
1: uh, sorry, it, it's just a crazy thing to think about, um, of this whole transhumanity re sleeving yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and I think that Morgan really does a good job with it, whether you agree with, uh, his his nature versus nurture arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a really good job of it, and it, it's it's unfortunate that the role playing game that uh, that mined this book for a lot of its material is uh, is uh, not as rich, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, you can't be that rich because you know. You can't role playing game. Well, it's a one. It's a role playing game, and and two. You know, you can do a lot with a story that you can't do in a role playing game because of mechanics.
1: Well, well, yeah, mechanics and 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 zeitgeist group zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, I
0: digress. Right. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. I. I sorry go okay i was gonna say kovach has um one one of the skills that he has as an envoy is that he does not think linear linearly like a lot of people like detective ortega Uh, right she thinks very linearly uh envoys are trained to think laterally almost where Mm -hmm. they just kind of like pull in every it's almost like a noir version of dirk gently where they just pull in all the information and he makes some, you know, and it kind of makes sense in a way that this is how he's able to make the the detectives, the classic detectives, uh, leaps in logic.
1: Right. Well, where Dirk Gently kind of does it through uh, spiritualism. Right. Uh, he does it through, well, uh, I guess, it's martial very- tr- martial training right
0: but it's I mean, still a kind they, of I
1: uh, they they do kind of um drop the mysteries of the orient yeah <laughs> i mean that might be the exact wording
0: yeah that, uh, that he uses eastern eastern martial arts or something like oriental no, martial he, arts he says oriental i think yeah <laughs> now and, <one> <laughs> and which is which is also interesting because like like Gibson's work in Neuromancer and his, his cyberpunk stories, <clears throat> this story also has a bizarre fusion of uh, Asian and Western culture. Two thousand one, sorry, is one this was from. Okay, um, <clears throat> you know you have a guy whose name is Takeshi, which is a Japanese name, Kovac, which is a Polish name.
1: Well he he talks about how his home planet Harlan's World um was originally colonized by the Japanese with Slavic laborers.
0: Mhm. So right. And then you have uh his rival, his old friend uh is the opposite. She has a western first name and a Japanese last name. Renee Kanahara. Yeah. Kawahara? Kawahara. Yeah. Or Raylene, sorry. Raylene. Kawahara. And she's uh, she's an interesting character of her own because, you know, as much of an asshole as you think Bancroft is, you know, Raylene just kind of like dials it up to 11.
1: Yeah, but you find out a little bit about her past and you realize she's always been kind of a piece of shit. Right, where I think somebody like um, Bancroft probably grew up wealthy and just kind of eased into being a piece of shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she grew up. I don't want to. Uh, she grew up as a as a child enforcer
0: for the yakuza. We'll mm-hmm. put it. We'll we'll put it that. Right, right. She's Oren Ishii.
1: So she's always been um, just edgy, <laughs> whereas whereas I think Bancroft kind of eased into it, and and it shows. Like Bancroft, I think is, I won't say he's redeemable, but he's certainly more likable. Yeah, he, he does
0: seem to have like a a, a sense of honor, I guess. Right. That, yeah, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of an Epicurean, but, you know, he's, and he th- still believes he's above everybody else. Yeah, but uh, I think
1: he's, he's a victim of, of his circumstances. You know what I'm saying? hmm Whereas, um, you know, he acts that way because that's how he's supposed to act. Right. You know, that, that's what meths do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, he probably does horrible shit all the time. Um, well, he does. You, you find out that he does do some horrible shit. All the time. Uh, or is, is evil, easily manipulated into doing horrible shit. Right. Uh, whereas Raylene is the manipulator. Right. And she is able to... Uh, she's just ruthless.
0: Mm-hmm. And then of course you know you have some of the staple characters you have the uh, the honorable enforcer uh, she works for Raylene. Uh, what was her name oh uh, trap. trap 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 yeah Trep uh, is the honorable enforcer you know yeah they, she's almost
1: she's almost like Molly from uh, Gibson she's straight out of Gibson
0: right she uh, yeah she has synthetic bodies she ha- she's a you know, she's into Zen. She has a sensei back in New York who gets pissed off at her about using all these synthetic bodies and stuff. Right. And, and she's just like, you know she gets the better of Kovach. Kovach gets definitely gets the better of her later. And then they meet again and he's like, Oh, no hard feelings. I was I was slow. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, it was no hard feelings, that body's dead. I don't remember any of it.
0: Right. Uh <laughs> huh. <laughs> or, or, no, I, 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 the only thing I remember was is I'm all, I was off my game. <laughs> and, and, and Kovac is like, you were, you were sloppy.
1: Right. right. And you have the good cop who, uh, isn't afraid to break, to, uh,
0: bend the law. Hell, you have a whole squad of good cops who aren't afraid to break the law. There's a Harvey Bullock in there.
1: And they all get their,
0: uh, their hair cut at the same place. Yeah, He only knows how to do mohawks. <laughs> <laughs> that was just odd. Right. He only knows how to do mohawks so all the male cops get their hair done. You know, they they all, like, they're all
1: they're the Mohican over there. And you're like, what? And then you realize, oh, he's referring to the cops because they all have fucking mohawks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every one of them. Every one of them, except for a, Ortega.
1: It's a really cool touch. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool touch,
0: right? And of course, he also fills in—you know—the the, the uh, faithful butler slash tech specialist slash concierge in the AI hotel. Yes, and it is nice to see that the uh, that the the um, deck
1: jockey is a. Uh, not the protagonist right and be female
0: <laughs> yes yep she comes in and uh does some stuff later on he gets involved with her uh while investigating the main case and he's like you know what I'm on your side in this
1: <laughs> right well that's what, when he starts uh going down that path you kind of realize that he's he's not as big of a douche as he makes himself out to be. Right. right. And he has a sense of right and wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. He has some of that old idealism that brought him to the envoy in the first place. Right. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, so I think... It, I, it's a shame that this isn't, like, a huge popular genre thing, because, like, I really enjoyed where this book took... Um, cyberpunk
0: mm-hmm. took it full full on transhuman
1: yeah i mean it like up it's basically a, a great update of the cyberpunk genre and if you like um you know neuromancer that kind of stuff this is definitely the next level and it's the next level that isn't like weirdly libertarian right <laughs> like uh like um what's that guy's name uh Cryptonomicon. Yeah, i not familiar uh, with that one. And Snow Crash. Yeah. Ah, what the fuck is that guy's name? It'll come to me after we're done. But anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of like peak, uh, peak cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a great um, just reimagining Of the genre and i'm um, i'm glad that they made they're they're doing something with it on netflix right uh just just to like kind
0: of inject that into the into the populace right 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 it's kind of like cyber post-punk
1: yeah i guess neo cyber neo-punk cyber new wave neil stevenson that's who i'm thinking of yeah, not familiar with him. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the Cryptonomicon had a lot... It was like cyberpunk Bitcoin.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was very long and the payoff was kind of lame.
0: <laughs> now, let's talk Let's talk a little bit about the payoff without giving away the end. Okay. I mean, the, is was the conclusion satisfying or... When I was reading through it, it started getting to a point where, like, what the hell is going on? Because <laughs> to, to pull off, you know, the big thing, uh, Takeshi has to basically sleeve himself twice. Which is highly illegal. Right, which is highly illegal. But And he has this long, protracted conversation with himself. Yes. And... It kind of jar- switches points of view. That's what jars you is at
1: one point you're reading and the whole thing is in first person right except for this one chapter where he starts referring to himself as he mm. and you're like, what the fuck is going on And then the next chapter is, is the conversation with himself and then you realize that is that was just the tool he used so he doesn't get like completely confused.
0: Right, right, but you know he kept himself in the old beat up cop body, and then he also got the, like the new hotness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what tech ninja? He got it. Got it. Just
1: like the top of the line UN
0: issue, right? <laughs> Battle body. Yeah, with the with the ultra high grade neuro technology and yeah, all this other crap
1: that was definitely weird um and it wasn't it's funny because you would think that would be the philosophical part of the novel where like all of his feelings and 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 you know views would be discussed Mm -hmm. and it wasn't (laughs) right it wasn't like it wasn't the 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 thematic climax of the novel which is
0: kind of odd
1: because um, that's like the perfect place for it.
0: Right. He, he wonders about what it's like, you know, to be, you know, it's two copies of yourself working right. together earlier in the novel. And he gets that chance and they're sitting across the table from each other. They're like at an IHOP or a Diddy's or something. <laughs> I think they're in like, they're, they're in the hotel right well wherever they're at it just seemed it, it had this kind of like you know uh denny kind of, yeah,
1: yeah the, the tone kind of switches there it gets right. a little a little campy a little cheesy a little a little uh dean kane
0: right and so they have they have this this thing, and he's like, oh, well, I wonder what it's like. You know, what would you do if you were talking to And they proceed to have, like, one of the most boring conversations you could possibly Here. have.
1: How do we figure out which one makes it through? Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and, and they're really deciding the literal Lady or the Tiger question. Right. <laughs> and they decide to Rochambeau for it. Right. Which is kind of great, actually. You know, you think about it, like if you're having an honest conversation with yourself, you mm-hmm. probably want to keep some decision making
0: shit like that as simple as you can. Well, let's <laughs> talk about your dad issues, nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about something else. All right, what about that lady you had sex with? Yeah.
1: The- There is a lot of uh, sexy, sexy, fun time in this book, by the way. A lot. Very graphic. A lot of sexy, sexy, fun time. So if you are
0: at all put off by that, don't read this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he spends an entire chapter on a love scene, I think.
1: Only the one? There's at least two, right? Right.
0: There's there's at least two big (laughs) ones, but I think he spends a lot more detailed time with uh, Miriam Bancroft than he does with Ortega. Mainly because go. he's That's tripping spoiler, at the same time. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it's a spoiler. Well, I mean, if you don't say it, people go in yeah. blind and they go, whoa, what the fuck? I
1: was just recommended this as a great science fiction novel. I thought my 12-year-old would enjoy it.
0: I didn't think there'd be dick all over the place. There's a lot of dick. <laughs> yeah, Takeshi Kovacs is like really—he uh, he, uh, kind of obsessed with his own dick.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So yeah, so if you're a little squeamish about that, you probably don't want to read that. Most of you probably aren't. So,
0: or but or I, looking for something for like your your middle-aged kids to read.
1: Middle-aged. You mean middle school kids?
0: Yeah, well, middle-aged stuff like that. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, altered carbon. Uh, Yeah, if you're not squeamish about graphic sexual encounters or even graphic violence, because there's a lot of that too.
1: Yeah, there's there's heads popping off of bodies. Yep,
0: literally. You know, it's not not really for the squeamish, not really for the prudish. Yeah. uh, If you can
1: get past all that, it's a really good book that asks some interesting questions and answers them in a way that um, is a little bit different than you would think that they would be answered. Right. It definitely takes the road less traveled.
0: And if you're not that deep of a reader, it's just a a fun sci-fi detective story. Yes. Yes. Very very neon noir type of thing. Yeah. All right, so that does it. Join us again next time. And we'll be talking about the television adaptation for Netflix. But until then Keep thirty left points.